Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip presents a checklist of what to think about if you have equity or stock-based compensation from a publicly traded company. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now, here's Philip. All right, back with another Ask Philip podcast episode. And this episode is going to be different. I'm going to just go through a checklist of what to think about if you have equity or stock-based compensation from a publicly traded company. Uh, I know there's some people that have stock-based compensation where their company might not be publicly traded. Think of like startups or, you know, newer companies. But this is this checklist is specifically for people who have stock-based compensation for publicly traded companies because that's that's just a big part of the plan that I think a lot of advisors neglect. Uh, a lot of people that have st- equity-based compensation neglect. They get the package in the beginning and they tuck it away and just kind of exercise things, you know, haphazardly. So here's a format that, that I use when advising clients to think through it. Uh, and I just want to share it with, with you. So feel free to share this episode with anybody who you know that works at a Fortune or not even Fortune 500 company because that's, that's not the only publicly traded company, but anybody who you know who works at a publicly traded uh, company. So fir- first step you want to do is review the equity-based compensation description document. So when in the beginning, when when you get uh, compensation, you'll get like a document that states all the different terms, like what you know, how how do you vest? What are your decision-making decisions that you got to make? Uh, do you have restricted stock units, restricted stock awards? Do you have a employee stock purchase plan? Do you have stock options? So it's going to list all those things out in that in that document and all the terms around it. So pull that document out so you can review it and treat that document like you treat your will or any other document, right? Keep it safe. Don't have it crumpled in the back of your car or in the trunk in your briefcase. Uh, keep the document um, safe. Next thing you want to do is review your statement. So most of the time, these things are going to have a statement, whether it be your you know, E-Trade account or wherever, but it's going to be tied to a broker statement where you can pull it up and you can see all of your equity-based compensation. You can see what's restricted, what's not. You can see your exercise dates, your grant dates. You want to get all that information pulled out as well when you're when you're looking through everything. Uh, you want to also review your outside investment statements. That can be like your 401k, any outside brokerage accounts, IRAs, etc., because once you do that, you want to take all that information that you have and put it into some sort of portfolio planning or financial planning software to get a big picture overview of of all of your overall positions, right? And those of you who've listened to my podcast over a while, you know the most important aspect in investment planning is what is your asset allocation, right? The biggest determination of your returns over time is asset allocation or how much of your money is in what asset classes and what's the risk reward of, of what you're doing. So putting it in there gives you a big picture of, oh, hey, this is the makeup of my portfolio. And the first thing you want to take a look at is 
do I have too much concentration risk, right? That's the next step. And what is concentration risk is do I have too much of my money in, in, in one stock or one type of asset? And this is a common thing, people with stock-based compensation, because they get their salary from their employer, and a lot of them have a big chunk of their net worth in the in the employer stock. And some, you know, some I, I often hear, well, I'm not really worried about it because I don't, I don't think the company is going anywhere anytime soon. I'm like, well, that that's kind of obvious because you're working here, right? If you thought that the company was in trouble, you probably wouldn't be working here. And so you feel fine about it. And and most of the time I agree, like most of the time the company's not going anywhere. But you want to have a systematic way for how you decide uh, how much concentration risk you want to take, if you want to take any at all. And so what I what I tend to do is say, okay, let's first think about what is the rate of return that you need to reach your financial goals? And, and, you know, what's a reasonable one? And so we figure that out. And then we say, okay, what is the expected rate of return of a well-diversified portfolio based on your risk tolerance, your plan, and your time frame? So we'll have that number. And then what you want to think about is how confident am I that the company stock that I own that might be over-concentrated, how likely is it that it's going to significantly perform better than a well-diversified portfolio? And I'm going to add, because that's where gut feel might come in. Am I basing my confidence on gut feel or careful analysis? Meaning people are like, yeah, I feel like it's going to do better than the verified portfolio. Well, you want to base that on analysis. So you want to understand, okay, what economic environment are we in and are we likely to be in over the next few years? Does the industry that my company is in perform well in the most likely economic environment over the next few years? Relative to other companies in the industry, are we a leader or a laggard, right? And there's like data that you can look at to, to help you objectively make those decisions and then rank your company stock uh, like you would rank any other stock you didn't work at in, in, if, you know, in, in your portfolio. And, and, then, and, and, and that will give you an idea of, okay, is it likely to you know, outperform a diversified portfolio or is it not? But you want to do... You want to detach yourself from the company and do careful analysis the way you would do any other stock and and make that decision. And so once you've done that, then you want to create like a target allocation, right? A target allocation might be, hey, and this is what I do with portfolios, hey, I want to target, and I'm just going to make up something, maybe 5 10% of my net worth in company stock at all times, and I, and I never want to have it exceed... 20%, for example, right? You want to have a, so my target is 10%, but I don't want to exceed it. I don't ever want it to exceed 20%. So if any given time during the year, it becomes more than 20% of your portfolio, you automatically, if you can, sell some down to get to your target allocation. And you want to once a year rebalance your portfolio back to the original target allocation of whatever might be 10%. So you want to treat your company stock in the context of your plan, like every other investment uh, that you have, right? Think through the plan, and it's not going to be the exact same as every other investment because you're probably going to have a higher percentage of your net worth in this one than you have other stocks because because you work there and you maybe understand a business better, but you want to have well-defined portfolio management processes in place so that you can unemotionally make decisions versus making decisions based on how excited you are about the company. Let me give a couple of horror stories of, of, of like examples of people who didn't do that. So I've met people who worked at Enron that lost everything when Enron went down, right? Great company, 
CEOs made the mistake. They didn't even do anything wrong. It was, it was people at the top that crashed the company, and the employees didn't know. Another example of a company that didn't go under is IBM stock. IBM's peak was in 2017. It still hasn't. It still hasn't reached this peak. And I know quite a few people that own a lot of IBM stock, and the market's gone up a lot since 2017, and they didn't participate. Because and they have a big chunk of their net worth uh, in IBM stock, and that's been dead money for four years, which is a long time when you're investing. Chesapeake Energy, Chesapeake Energy, it was a darling, you know, in 2013, 14, 12, all that time period before when oil was running up. Its last peak was in 2014. Valiant Pharmaceuticals, if you've been in the stock market, you might remember that company. It was a darling. That company crashed so bad, its last peak was 2015. It crashed so bad, they changed the name. I couldn't find it. I was looking it up for for this episode, and I was like, oh, they changed the name to Bosch Health. But it was like they were on CNBC every week, you know, with with, with Bill Ackman, who's a billionaire hedge fund superstar. But, you know, if, if, you were, if you were an employee of that company, like the peak of that stock was 2015. So you've had like, you know, what's that, six, seven years of six, six years of just dead money. And so... Be thoughtful about how you allocate your money because these companies were like all superstars in their industry. Minus IBM, right? <laughs> but the, but three of them were like superstars in their industry. And of course, the employees didn't think that the company, the stock would be dead for four, five, six years. And it happened. Next check, checklist, assume you're deciding, assume you decide to sell shares. Prioritize which shares you want to sell first, right? So you want to think through when when was it purchased or granted? What is your basis or, you know, the amount of money that you've already paid taxes on? Like, let me explain it in a, in a simple term. Let's say, let's say the stock is worth $60 a share right now, but you, when you were, you know, when you were granted it, you paid 30 bucks a share for it. So your basis is 30 bucks a share. So that means you have about a $30 profit if it's worth 60 today. So basically, you want to know what your basis is so you know like what your gain is, right? And then is your gain long-term or short-term capital gains tax? Or do you have a loss? And and one of the overlooked strategies that that people who give to charity often or nonprofits often is, does it make, to, does it make sense to give shares to charities you support instead of cash for this year? So if you normally give your church or organization 30 grand a year, and you have appreciated stock, you may want to say, well, instead of giving 30 grand in cash this year, I'm going to give 30 grand worth of worth of my stock-based compensation that I own. And then so you can give that, you still get a deduction uh, for it. Again, talk with your CPA with the detail, but you still get a deduction for it and they get 30 grand and they could sell the shares and they could pay taxes. Uh, they, don't, they don't have to pay taxes when they sell the shares. If you sold the shares, you got to pay taxes. If the nonprofit sells the shares, they don't have to. And so you you are able to have a win-win, right? They get money, you get the tax break, and and the IRS doesn't get cut in to that benefit. But that's why they, they, wrote, they wrote the tax code that way, because they want people to support charities and nonprofits, from, from my understanding. So that's another option. Here's the, here's the last little checklist. Create tax strategy for your tax base compensation, right? Which is the one before was thinking through what you want to do. Now you want to bring in your CPA and wealth manager to create the strategy where it's, you know, should you should you take special tax elections for your stock awards, right? And I won't go into it on this episode, but it's a special tax election called 83B that you can use for restricted stock awards, not stock units, 
restrict the stock, stock awards and, and you want to weigh in, you know, what's my future income going to be? What do I think the stock is going to do to decide whether you should take that election or not? And there's a time period that you that you can do it once it's granted, but you want to have that thought out and prepared in advance. If you have stock options, are they incentive-based stock options or non-qualified-based stock options, different tax rules? Should you exercise your options now or later? Because consider, like, you know, if you got the options and you don't exercise them, you don't pay taxes. But it's, your, your net worth still fluctuates during the stock option. Or if you think the stock option will become worthless because the stocks go out of the money, which just Google what out of the money means or in the money means for stock options, then you may want to do it now. So there's considerations around that from a tax perspective. Is your employer stock purchase plan qualified or qualified or non-qualified. That's a that's a big deal for taxes. But here's a key point on taxes and in the whole system. I think a lot of people make decisions when it comes to stock solely on taxes, right? Never make decisions solely on taxes. That's that's secondary, right? Because let's say you let's say you worked at Enron and you were like, I don't want to sell because I want to pay taxes. <laughs> well, selling and paying taxes and netting it would have been better than having nothing. Right. You know, or if you're if you work at Valiant and your stock is still down some. I mean, it's, it's I, I believe it's still down over 50 percent for where it was at the high. I mean, it would have been better to just pay the taxes and, and diversified it because you would have net more money. So, you know, taxes are like secondary once you decided the buy and sell decision. Taxes are going to you know help you think through. All right. You know, how do I minimize my tax? I minimize my tax obligation or if I'm going to keep some, like what's the best way to structure this thing for the stock I plan on keeping down the road. But that's that's the episode uh, today. Yeah, I think that, that that's all I got. I don't have any closing thoughts because I just recorded two really long episodes that are coming out. And I know Steve is tired of recording. I know my brain is dead and shot. I'm ready for the weekend. I'm ready for spring break. I'm ready for some crawfish and crab. So y'all enjoy y'all's week. One of the biggest planning challenges I see for individuals that work at publicly traded companies are planning around their stock base or equity based compensation. They get stock options, restricted stock, employee stock purchase plans that can majorly affect uh, their tax situation and their balance sheet over time and the decision making process around what you do with your stock based compensation can significantly impact your net worth in a positive or, or even a negative way, way over the long term. And so what I offer to potential new clients is to review your stock-based compensation plan and give my opinion on what you should do, what you should think about, how to put together a strategy around that. It's something that I do on an ongoing basis with existing clients, but I'll offer a no-cost no obligation, one-time consultation on your stock-based compensation plan for anybody who's interested to sign up for a time. Go to my website, stonehillwealthmanagement.com and book a free investment, no cost, no obligation review. Stonehillwealthmanagement.com. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. 
Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.